0: Two, ready, one. Hello and welcome to Say That, the podcast where your big questions get real answers. My name is Matt King. I'm your host here in the city of Chicago and joining me here is Glenn Fitzgerald, the founder of Mission USA.
1: I am barely alive as we speak.
0: Very true. Also joining us Jed Brewer, director of Mission USA Productions. Ah, uh, ah, uh, ah, uh, ah, uh, staying alive. He said it, didn't sing it, can't sue us. <laughs> <laughs> and it wouldn't be the first time the Brothers Gibb have tried. <laughs> That's, That's right. right. <laughs> we are not joined by regular co-host Lee Younger this week because we are recording a little sting to put in front of a best of episode. Ooh. And I Ooh. forgot we had to do this until the Tuesday before someone was going out of town. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I happened to rope these guys in while they were just sitting here and didn't make the uh, the effort to call Lee. I'm gonna be honest.
1: Wow. Well, first of all, I'm, I'm doing this under protest. Clearly. Clearly. Uh, because it's not a real show.
0: Sure. Well, I'm not sure in your uh, in your currently medicated state, you have the the power of attorney to declare to sign the under protest documents. Yeah. But we'll let the courts figure that out.
1: That's right. Yeah. there the this uh, past week I was uh, fairly ill and uh, crying out to the Lord. Sure. Repenting of my many sins. Okay. And uh, apparently, uh, you know, I'm getting a stay of execution. So. Sure. Wow. Yeah, I, I, I went outside my my bedroom and there was a, a guy dressed in black. He had like a sickle. Sure, he was smoking a cigarette and checking his watch. And you know, but then I, you I,
0: found out that's just how your new uh, gardener dresses. <laughs> that's right. So. It's an aesthetic. That's sure, right. goth gardening. The <laughs> whole thing. That's right. A scythe. That's well, right. Josh. and we we are very uh, we are very uh, sympathetic to the the medical plight. Yeah, that Glenn has been under. If you've been listening to the show for a long time, you know. Uh, we've previously had shows where he was riding the Green Dragon. Yes, Michael. Yeah. Where he was all hopped up on fish pills. Yep. That's right. Um we've had some steroid uh in uh, during the we recorded this during the winter Olympics. We've had our own steroid investigation. That's, that's right. right. They that's come right. back positive a hundred percent of the time. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah, uh-huh. Yet one could argue our performance is never enhanced, no. which is sad. Yeah. But due to this current sickness, I have to declare a medical emergency. Ooh. Oh. And that is, I think we have the cure. Okay. Here's the thing. Glenn's been to the doctor. He's been to the allergist. And there's a There's a point where, uh, and many of our younger listeners aren't aren't hip to this, where you will start going to the doctor at a certain age, and they'll tell you, "Yep, that's what you have." <laughs> yeah. And you say, "Well, what do we got? Nothing. You just have that now." Yeah.
1: It's the you're old. Yeah. You, you have old. You have a severe case of old, oh. and it it's never going away.
0: It's like ni- taking a 1987 Nissan to the mechanic, saying, "What what can you do? We don't have the parts for that." So. Right.
1: Just got to keep going. Yeah, your knee doesn't work right. Well, yeah, get used to it.
0: Good, Good luck, stick.
1: <laughs> That's right. So, but. Same thing you, when you go to the eye doctor. Is, <laughs> I can't see anything. Well, here's a stick. <laughs> the stick is only a cure. Sure. Once you reach a certain age, this is a stick.
0: All medicine just eventually funnels down to stick.
1: Right, that's all I got for you.
0: But within that, I think we have recently in our, in our own, and kind of our off time, we're doing the ministry, we've. Recently developed a cure we're trying out.
1: Yes. Okay. They
0: picked up from some of our, our pastor friends, our church friends. Uh-huh. And Jed, is the innovator of this, I'd like you to give a live demonstration. Okay. Of let, Let's see if we can cure Glenn via our as yet unnamed and unmarketed Bridge cure all. Got it. Well, shall I give the backstory on this or just try the cure Let's first? Try it first and then we'll backstory.
2: So Glenn, you're not you're not feeling terribly well. Right. Right. And and on a scale of one to ten, you know, one being you can barely tell, and the worst pain imaginable. Mm-hmm. Where are you, where are you at?
1: I'm I'm about at a four and a half. Okay, that's pretty it, rough. It was it was a, about a seven and a half earlier this week. Oof. Okay, that's rough.
2: That's yeah, a yeah. lot. That's a lot. And I and I am sorry for it. Right. But I think I've got the cure for what ails you. Okay. Okay. Are you ready? Yeah. Solomon was David's son. That's a Bible fact. Do you feel better? No. Mm. Okay, let's try again. Joshua fought the battle of Jericho.
1: Uh-huh.
2: Bible fact. Feel better? No.
0: Well, you should, and oh. if you
2: were more committed, you would.
0: <laughs> well, okay. it didn't work out the first time, but let's explore the science behind. It. Ah, okay. Now, Jed, as you as you point out, this is, we didn't make this up. This is we did the field work. We observed. Right. Right. That based on hours of sermons we have all had to endure and ingest, right. apparently a number of our friends in the Christian world think that the, if someone has a problem or an issue, if you throw a random Bible fact at them, yes, that will fix it.
2: Right. Yes. Yes. As a serious thing, as a part of our actual work, you know, we attend a lot of churches on Sunday morning to find services that our men and women could ultimately go to. So that means we sit through a lot of fairly questionable uh, church services and preaching. And here's what we find: is most places you go, there's you know, sermon times about 40, 45 minutes, and it's basically a Bible lecture. Right. Um, it's you've got a room full of people with problems and issues and struggles, and they've had a hard week, and this dude or dudette, we you know whatever it is, they sure. are delivering an extensive Bible lecture. Well, right. we tried to figure out why would you do that? Because you have people, they're, they're lost, they're hurting, they're lonely, they're struggling. 45-minute academic Bible lecture. What's the connection? Right. So we, we just like in all the cop shows and cop movies, with a lot of red string yeah. on a board and photographs yep. are all in black and white, you know, really grainy, right. kind of tying You're things together. filled
0: styrofoam cups of coffee everywhere. Exactly right.
2: right. Cartons of food, you know, half-finished, tossed off to the side. And then it dawned on us, you know, a, a ray of light, you know, broke through the ceiling and and, and we saw it. Bible fact equals you feel better. Right. That right. must, that's the only possible sure. connection is room full of lost, lonely and hurting people. 45 minute Bible lecture is a sincere belief that if I tell you Bible facts, inherently you will feel better off of them.
1: Right. But are these Bible facts that pertain to my struggles? Oh no, no, no.
0: These no! no I just picked a random chapter of the Bible and we're just going. Uh-huh. Yeah.
1: Well, here's the thing. Like, you know, like, when I become ill, yes, I go to the doctor, right? And I say, so you know, it hurts when I do my arm like this. Uh, but the and he says the knee bone is connected to the <laughs> shin bone. Anatomy it, fact, right? That would, like if you opened an anatomy book and just started reading from some random part that didn't pertain to my situation,
0: uh-huh. that wouldn't help me. Now, but like, it's all true, Glenn.
1: You know, if he said like. A lot of people are experiencing the flu and there's here's some of the basic things I tell sure. all of those people based on my
0: many conversations with my patients during the week I've right. ascertained that this is a problem you have
1: That's right so you can you can give me stuff that's general in that sense because it pertains to my specific problem but uh you know I can't uh you know I can't uh just hear random medical facts and have that help my
0: my condition Well the I don't think that I don't think that's true. I think if I just tell you random facts about a thing that is technically correct and in a general sense good, you'll just solve your your problem. It's the Robotussin of spirituality. Right. Whatever <laughs> probably, you guys, pour that Robitussin on it. Right. Let it seep into that problem. It'll really right. Like get <laughs> in there. In there. Yeah. That, and that led us to the the next evolution of this, which is going from Bible fact to as we mentioned on our, on our previous episode, talking about kind of your pastor tends to wander off on some some jags here. Yeah. Uh, which happens when you're preaching for 45 minutes? Which apparently it's in the Bible somewhere that it has to be 45 minutes to an hour. No, I haven't really found is. that yet. No, don't but do that uh, had led us to, and we will do this in conversation now. When any of us has a problem, fact, fact. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> ah. Because you can say, you know, well, you know, because there are some things that are in the Bible right. that are a decent general salve. You know, so, right. so whatever problem you got, John three sixteen should make you feel a little better. Right. Sure, it's not going to fully fix your thing, but you know, you know, there's no condemnation, and you know, God yeah. is with us on things. That's, but that's not what's happening here. It's not what right. we're talking about. They want to really get into the minutiae right. and the languages and the uh, trivia. Right. So we've just started throwing out, there's a couple of genres of this. You can try this at home when, you're, when your friends have a problem. There's history fact. Yes. Right. There's the ever-popular C.S. Lewis fact. Oh, totally uh-huh. good. There's book I read this week fact. Mm-hmm. And now, I don't mean, Christian book, just book. Right. Like I read something about architecture this week, and that right. made me think about how there was a temple. And here's the thing: David said I could have just skipped to that, but I took you through the journey. Yes, that's right. That's, that's right. what we're doing. So, whenever you, someone in your life that you love, has a problem, that could be sickness, that could be um, an emotional problem, a big life change, just start hurling things you know at them. Shall we yeah. try it? Let's give it a shot,
2: Glenn. You look like you're not feeling much better. Right. Did you know that C.S. Lewis at one point in his life was an atheist? C.S. Lewis fact. Do
0: you feel better?
1: Uh, no. Mm.
2: That ha- that has no impact whatsoever on my situation. Mm. Are you sure about that? Yeah. Oh well, then I have nothing.
0: The Declaration of Erbroth was written in thirteen fourteen. Fact, fact. How do you feel about that?
2: Uh, uh nothing. 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 we' mm, so reading a book this week about the physics of auto racing and it turns out understeer is a real problem under certain conditions. Do you feel better now?
0: Do you think what's making your 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 body hurt is your spiritual understeer? Yes. Uh no. In that case you have to lay off the accelerator and let the back end come around. No, that's well
1: that's always true. Uh uh I have several jokes I'm not telling.
0: Probably good. Uh, <laughs> he's feeling a little better. <laughs> Earlier in the week, would have been able to resist. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> right. The, the,
1: I, a, I, I don't, I'm not impressed by that or helped by it. But I read a book. Uh, uh, but I, I do get the feeling that, that Jed very much wants me to think he's cool because of his knowledge of auto racing.
2: Oh, I am cool because of my knowledge of auto racing.
1: Oh, sure. I
0: see. Yeah. Also, yeah. someone who uh, Jed paid a lot of money at some point in his life told him that he has to spend thirty hours a week reading, books. formulating the answer <laughs> to this question. So yeah. it just kind of it naturally spirals out of control.
1: Well, this this leads us to the the sermon example fact Ugh. that is that it, where I have to explain the sermon example so that the sermon example
0: will explain another thing. Yeah, that's you know I mean? the gambit you've probably seen time time time. Has everybody seen? Insert movie here. Right, and when the room is one, Rez up and says, "No." So happens a lot in youth ministry. Bless them, because it's you know here's a, a movie from when I was a kid, and just no one's seen it. Right, and instead of saying, "Well, then this is a bad idea," right, the person says, "If you understood the pl- the entire plot of this movie, yeah. which I will now painstakingly explain <laughs> over the next right. fifteen minutes, <laughs> you understand this one point I'm trying to make." That's right.
1: You can just say the point. It- Save us a whole lot of time, you know. So has
0: everybody seen, everybody seen Tangled? No? Well, the Walt Disney Corporation was founded in nineteen twenty. <laughs> right, yeah, that's
1: right. You know, you can't-
0: Walt
2: well, Disney it- <laughs> went through many ups and downs in his career before he <laughs> ultimately landed on success.
1: Well, here, here's the thing is, this is this brings it full circle, because if you're going to tell us the whole plot of a movie to make one small point, why don't you just tell me a random Bible fact? Sure, yes. Because that's at least a Bible There's a chance. Thing. <laughs> There's a chance. <laughs> So, you know, it's like the, the only thing that you do besides a random Bible fact is an example that's n- not biblical, nor ter- terribly relevant, nor the, nor does your analogy work as an analogy. So, you know,
0: don't do that. That's true. Don't do that. Say something helpful. Sure. Let's try that. Eh, it mm. seems dangerous. Yeah. The original title of the King James Version was the authorized version. That's right. Bible fact fact.
1: Yeah, nothing. All that's, right, well, that's doing nothing. We're I, out of ideas, so in that I, case, I might just be one of those people that um, refuses to feel better based on random things that have nothing to do with my situation.
2: Mm, I think mm. we need to pray for Glenn's hard heart. That's right. I think that's the conclusion. He just loves the so. darkness. That's yeah, the that's main right.
0: Thing. We just kind of love the darkness because. Um, too much light really yeah, aggravates the, the massive migraine he has. Yeah, yeah.
1: Well, yeah, and this leads us perhaps to to the ultimate thing, which is just stop it. <laughs> sure. Uh, a certain amount of sermons we we hear is are, are based on the, the the clear and undeniable message: the thing you're doing makes me feel bad, and I don't like it, so you stop it now. Yeah. And it, it turns out you do need a little more depth than that. You <laughs> sure. need you need to explain help us figure out how to not be the way we are because maybe we're driving ourselves crazy as much as we're driving you crazy but uh you know you you, you got to be uh, uh uh go into some detail there
0: no doubt about it well
1: you, you you can't say here here's a here's here's david he was great so figure it out you know
0: maybe slingshot something you ever thought about that <laughs>
1: Yeah, what sort of message are we
2: sending here?
0: Pastor, you're, I really enjoyed your sermon last week. I just went around and started attacking tall people.
2: Yeah, that's right. You know, the thing about the physics of a slingshot is it's very similar in certain ways to the physics of a race car. Oh. I think we'd like to take the next 45 minutes and really get into, Glenn, buckle up. Now, that's right. another thing that you do when you're in a race car, because safety is important. Now, we're going to go pretty fast here, which is right. another thing that you do oh, wow. when you're in a race car. Let
1: me ask you a question. Is this a sermon series? Because I want to get all of that I can get.
0: Yes, it's called Turning Left for Jesus. (laughs) That's good. I was going to go with uh, the five-point harness of faith. That's good. That's that's, pretty good. That's That's good. good. That's good. Well, I think we solved it, even though Glenn is too much of a heathen to admit that Bible facts have healed him. So uh, we're going to declare medical emergency off. Mm. And we will take you to a best-of compilation that we'll give you this week. And um, let's, let's actually, speaking on the Bible, on the Bible segment. Let's let's take a trip to the Bible Nerdatorium. Ooh! Ooh. I'm going to give you three segments from previous episodes that we've answered uh, biblical questions, okay. where we have attempted not to throw random Bible facts at people. Oh, okay. Because sometimes you got to put up or shut up.
1: Yeah. yeah and
0: okay. in the meantime, before we take it to that, we'll do the customary Bridgebox plug, where every month in Bridgebox we have a Bible study. Ooh, oh, This is not random things we have read and put down. Okay. This is based around the topic that will hopefully help someone's life. We're going to right. March, where we uh, we answered a question on the show last week where uh, someone wrote in and talked about how they had admitted something very difficult to someone, and they were uh, looking to begin the process of letting go of that shame, and that's an important thing and something we all deal with. So this this month's Bible study and Psalms and sermons is all about that and not random crap that mm. we just did anyway.
2: Actually, April 1st, how do I go faster in my race car? Oh, well, that'll so, be good. you know, it's, mm. uh,
0: it's mainly about the accelerator.
2: It's all things that are of interest to me. Oh, so
0: Glenn and I are going to have to give sermons in front of the bridge audience about car ownership. That's going to be awkward. Yeah. Good luck. Yeah. Okay.
1: Tighten up your rear end. Yeah. Of the
0: key is to, to stay on the line. Yeah. And uh, we'll take you before this devolves <laughs> even worse. I thought we'd gotten out of the emergency. Yeah. But it got even worse. This is yeah. what happens when Lee's not around. Okay. Thank you to the best of the Bible Nerdatory, and we'll see you next week with a regular show right here on Say that. that. Hey guys, could you give me some clarification on James chapter one verses five through eight? Can you ask God what to do in a situation and not know if you're going to commit to it? I just want to know what God's preferred I just want to know what God's preferred action is, and I know that He knows what's best but I just don't know if I will actually listen to him because I don't have the best track record for actually obeying him or even wanting to obey him. You have written into the right podcast, friend uh-huh. and Ali, Can you start us off on this one?
3: Yeah, absolutely. I think, uh, as far as James one, five through eight, um, I'm sure that these guys can get into kind of the Greek stuff that's going on there and everything. But, but before we get into all that specific stuff about the scriptures, Let's just talk about prayer for a second. And why, what is prayer? Why do we pray? What What is the point of this thing? And, you know, you're saying, I want to know what God, what God wants me to do. I don't know if I'm going to listen to it or not. And uh, I don't have the greatest track record with obeying. Well, first of all, you're in the right place. Uh, we know exactly how that feels. We want God's advice. And at the same time, uh, I, I know I speak for me probably for the rest of these guys too, there's been a million times that we have not listened to him and have not wanted to. Yeah. Um, but I think when we look at prayer specifically, when we get to a, like w- when you ask almighty God to give you advice on something or to tell you which way is up on a thing, one of the things that we need to realize is the reason that we're going to him is because we don't know. Um, this is, this is what the function of prayer is, is I'm going to someone who knows being a person who doesn't. This isn't just like, I'm just talking, you know, like a lot of times you'll just hear people say like, well, prayer is just like, you're just hanging out with God. And I'm, yeah, you know, you can do that. You can just talk to God about what's going on in your day and all that kind of stuff. But the specific type of prayer that you're talking about is coming from a person who says, who's gotten to a place where they're saying, I don't know what this needs to be. So just as an example, that's kind of not about the spiritual life and about obedience and you know, temptation and all that kind of stuff, just to kind of look at it from a different angle. Recently, I got um, my, my uh, for my birthday, I got some new like exercise equipment um, and my, and I was over at my dad's house when I, when I got, you know, opened up this equipment or whatever. And my dad knows a lot about how to use this equipment. And so I, before I left there, I was like, all right, I want you to break this down for me. I want you to show me how to do this. I want you to tell me exactly what to do. And then I'm going to try to do it your way. And I want you to watch me. And then I want you to give me feedback on it, whether or not I'm doing it well. Because here's the deal. If I don't do this right, I'm going to hurt myself. Yep. Now, and the the thing was, is that I got to tell you, I have, you know, I, I have worked out for a long time ever since I was in kind of, ever since I started high school or whatever. And I've lone wolfed it a lot in the mm-hmm. weight room and stuff like that. And uh, ab- about 4 or 5 months ago, I was doing something in the weight room and uh, and and some of these guys may know what this feels like, but I got stuck under a bar. Mm. And I had to somehow get out from underneath that bar. And my left Speaking shoulder of a prayer life Yeah. And my my left shoulder has not been the same since. Like, it has hurt. It hurts every day when I wake up in the morning kind of deal. And so I'm looking at this thing, and it's like, I want to use this different kind of workout deal, but I'm asking you, who you're an expert, because I I am tired of getting hurt doing my own thing in the weight room. And, And I think... You know, we can all relate to the fact that we don't have a great track record obeying. And we can all relate to the fact that sometimes we just don't want to do God's way. But I think one thing that what James is talking about, without kind of digging too deep into the the Greek stuff, which I know that some of these other brothers can do, one of the things that James is kind of talking about is there comes a point in your life when you realize, I'm gonna hurt myself if I do this my own way anymore. And I need some help seeing this a different way around. You're the expert. You made me, you made this world, you made my heart, and so I want you to tell me what it's going to be, and I've gotten to the place where I'm ready to do whatever that needs to be.
0: It's all really a great introduction. I'll, uh, before I transfer to these other guys, I'll do the, uh, I'm going to read the verse, and I'll pitch a little bit of the Greek stuff that I think, uh... Glenn and Jed can build on here. So this is uh, James chapter one, verse five through eight in the NIV. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. Okay, so I imagine if you're like me, the sticking point here is when you ask, you must believe and not doubt. Mm -hmm. I don't do so well with not doubting. So I think doubt is our stick word there. So if we go to the the Greek for that, we find that the word that is translated doubt in uh, the verse here has more layers to it in Greek than the English word does. What it means is the literal translation of it is to separate out thoroughly, to judge, distinguish, or decide. So when you take that back to the verse, I think we can see a lot more what's going on. So James isn't saying if you feel or have doubts, it will uh, worry you up there. He's saying that – and also it's important to point out, he doesn't say someone who has doubts should not expect the Lord to say anything to them. He said you shouldn't expect to receive anything. Yeah. So I think what we're getting to here is this idea of, which we've all, as least, pointed out, we've all gone to the Lord this way and said, all right, Lord, what should I do about this? And then we start our own evaluation process yep. of what we're getting back. And that really gets in the way of your prayer life, of hearing from the Lord, because you kind of, you kind of prejudging those things. Jed, I'd I love to get you to kind of break down for us. What's the difference between a healthy wrestling with something God wants us to do and this kind of Um, take it, taking some and leaving some and kind of dividing pieces out that James warns us against.
2: Mm. Mm. -hmm. That's a very insightful question. Um, I think the difference is whether or not we're finishing the conversation.
3: Mm, Okay. Um,
2: I think that's what it boils down to. Let's talk about a less mystical, uh, situation for a moment. Um, if you have, this is certainly true in romantic relationships, although I think it's, it's as true in very close friendships. Um, you're going to have a person come to you with an idea that sounds completely insane. Um, certainly, if you're if you're married, I'll put this on me, I have gone to my wife many times with something where I've needed to preface by saying, I know this sounds crazy. Yes. Um, I, I recognize, I'm almost certain I'm wrong, I know it sounds crazy, but I need to tell you X, Y, and Z. Yes. I, I need to talk this out, I need to get this out of my head. That's...
1: More times than I can count, I've literally said exactly that to my wife.
2: There you go. Because my wife loves me, because Jane's, uh, because Glenn's wife loves him. What they've said in that moment is, "Okay, let's have the conversation.
3: Right.
1: Tell
2: mm-hmm. tell me the whole thing. Tell me tell me everything." What would be a problem would be if I got five minutes in. and I said, "Well, I think this and this got, b- besides, and then over here, and this will work like this." And they said, "Okay, I'm done listening now." Well, that. Would not work. um A, it would be super disrespectful.
3: <laughs>
2: but but the key thing is, it, it wouldn't work. It would be dysfunctional. We haven't had a conversation. You know, you you didn't you didn't hear me out. You you heard. You know, you listened ostensibly to three minutes of. of I, I, I wasn't even through the windup yet. You know, um and you know that you wouldn't do that to someone. If someone said, "Man, I need to talk. I need to get this off my chest. I need to get it out," you would you would finish the conversation. You would you would listen to them. Until they had said their piece, and part of what you'd be trying to do is hear what are they really trying to say. Not just what are the words that they're using, but what's the thing behind the words? What are they trying to communicate? What does this reveal about their heart and their character that they're trying to express? Okay, take that and apply it back to God for a second. God does not have a problem with you wrestling with the things that he's telling you. That's that's fine. Right. That's normal. When you look at the Bible, great men and women of God have always wrestled with what God is telling them. They've they've always round one was always God, that sounds like a terrible idea. I right. hate that idea. I don't want to do that. That's always round one. Beware the person and Jesus told a story about this. Beware the person who says, "I have heard your bidding, O Lord, and yeah. it is my pleasure and honor so to do for yeah. the sake of thy glory."
1: Hey, not to interrupt you, but How many times does the Lord say something he knows sounds crazy? Yeah. And that's the opening line of that's that we're going to find out if we're having an honest conversation right here, right now. In other words, the right answer is that sounds crazy, Lord. There you go. Now we're having a conversation.
0: You know your son Isaac? Listen to the next part. Yeah. Dude, no doubt. In fact, my one of my favorite verses verses in
2: the Bible. This is Moses, and you're probably familiar with the story of the burning bush. So, so Moses is is tending goats on a mountaintop. God needs to get his attention, so he has a vision, and there's a burning bush, and it's it's a whole thing. Um, But there's a moment God and and Moses are talking back and forth, and it's one of my favorite verses in the Bible. Moses says, "God sends someone else." That is the way righteous people talk to God. Lo, he setteth to the Lord i don't want to i i'm not i'm not feeling it but what was righteous about moses what was righteous about abraham what was righteous about david and what can be righteous about you is they were committed to finishing that conversation they were committed to talking it all the way through with god it started with god that's a crazy idea and i hate it but that's not where it ended they were prepared to wrestle with God, in the same way that Jacob wrestled with the angel. God, the the thing that God is looking for from you is that you would wrestle with what he tells you, that you would think about it, that you would meditate on it, that you would see what about it sounds crazy to you, and you would ask, why does that sound crazy? And do I need to see that as crazy? Do I have a point? And that you'd go back and forth with him. If you're willing to do that, man, that's as righteous as it gets. And if you're willing to do that, you'll see what God is trying to show you, and you'll get his point and his perspective, and you'll probably find yourself willing to take the first step on it, which is, which is the part that matters. Where we get in trouble is when we either say, oh, yes, Lord, of course I will do thy bidding, which no one feels that way. I mean, no one anywhere feels that way. Or where we listen to the very first thing God has to say and go, pass and move on with our lives. God, God is looking for wrestlers, and I believe you have it in you to be a wrestler.
0: God is looking for wrestlers is also the title of a very niche Christian living book, but it does pretty good. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. uh, I think that's all really good stuff. I think we're getting to uh, kind of an important point here, which I think the assumption when people, and I know when I've come to this verse four, is exactly what Jed's saying there with less Monty Python voice, maybe. But what God is looking for, what coming to God without doubting means is, Lord, I'm going to ask you what to do about the situation. And before I hear your thing, I will promise you that I'm going to do it. Yes. an act of faith. That's really not what we're talking about here. That's not what not doubting means. So, Glenn, right. maybe you can close this up by walking us through. What does it actually mean to go to the Lord without letting your doubts get in the way of hearing? We don't have to worry about doing yeah. yet. Right. That's, right. That's right. That's
1: right. There's a number of things in here that 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 really we need to bring it back to reality. And along the lines of what you're asking me about here, I I think the word that we get wound up on here is must. Yeah. You, yeah. It, that you must— not have faith. You must have. Uh, you must not have doubts. You must have faith. Um, that's actually not in the actual actual language of the the, the Old Testament. Is just saying uh, it, it, it. It's saying if you come and if you're asking for wisdom, and there's not. Uh. You're you're in a position where there's an utter unwillingness to do it. The wisdom that you receive is not going to make a difference because we're not w- willing to, you know, do anything with that. So, what does that leave us with? And I think Jed gave us a, a great way of, of of looking at that. In, uh, I, I also want to zoom on this in on this word, a double double-minded. You know, tossed like waves on the season, season of the ideas. This person is a double-minded man. And it's 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 a negative term that he's using for sure. he's saying this is it's bad to be double-minded. Yes, but I I think it's important for us to recognize what the what the what the two halves of that are. Mm-hmm. One is I want to do the right thing because I love Jesus and he's cool and he's he knows everything and he's never wrong. So part of me wants to just do that. go with that. Only part, a small part, but part of me wants to go with that. The other part of me wants to do something I know is stupid, but I really, 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 really want to do it on an yeah. emotional level, and rationalizing to try and make it smart. But deep down, I know it's stupid. That's my double-minded. Yeah. Just by me laying that out, you can see, uh, it, and if you lay out which how that works in in your situation, you could see again with a with the uh, the kind of honesty that Jed is talking about. The sense of part of me just wants to do something stupid on an emotional level. Part of me wants to obey God, and both parts of that. Are, one part is very understandable, and forgivable, and human. Mm-hmm. And the other part is actually virtuous and good. Yeah. So w- this is not something's wrong with you, and that's why you keep screwing up. That's Amen. not what this verse is saying at all. Uh, as 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 Matt points out, this word for doubting really kind of means. This idea of I'm still kind of midway through judging what this is and what it means, you know. This idea of, I, well, as, as, as Matt was saying, you know, I'm I'm still kind of hashing it. I'm still splitting hairs with it. I'm still, and you know, we do that. God says, well, you know, the you know, the, I want you to go forth and, and, and do X or we think he wants us to go forth and do X, and we say, ah, you know what? If I, but if that happened, then what if this? And then, then that would lead to that, and I'm really worried about that. You know, and I'm constructing a whole world. I'm thinking it through for God. Yeah. I'm helping God figure this out. You God, know. there's a lot of things you probably haven't looked at. That's right. <laughs> Let me go over the details with you, Lord, because I'm not sure this is a great point. Again, if you would just say these things out loud— you'd be able to get over them. You know, that's that's part I of like it. I like to believe
0: I'm on God's vision team. <laughs> yeah,
1: that's right. Uh, but uh, uh, here, here's the three basic realities. A, nobody wants to obey God. Preach. Hello. Nobody. What is wrong with you Christians out there in the world? None of you want to inherently obey God. You want to do what you want to do, and you want to get away with it. <laughs> yeah. Okay, you want God to sign off on your plan that's what the and He that's wants right. to smooth it you want him to smooth it over when it doesn't work out or whatever and that and, and and I'm the same way. everybody in this podcast is the same way. We obey God reluctantly as a last resort and poorly and poorly <laughs> <laughs> so let's get that straight that's true for everybody you're not in a special category off of that uh second, you have to know what it is that you want in order to set it aside, yes. You know, if you're still, re- that's what this verse is trying to tell you. If you're still wrestling, wrestling, wrestling in, in the nuts and the bolts and the mania, and you're still partway through judging what you think is the situation, then you aren't ready to set that aside and say, okay, this is what I think, Lord, what do you what do you have to say? And that's, that's exactly what this verse is trying to say. So if anything, get into those doubts, work them out, make it more explicit, get out a piece of paper, start writing yep. this stuff down. Yep. Here's I I you know here's the pros and cons here's whatever whatever right, put it all on a piece of paper and get that formulized and, and and encapsulated so that you can then give that up to the Lord and and finally I think this is really important I I get a lot of people telling me I'm worried that God would tell me to do X mm-hmm. so I'm not going to ask
2: Yep. bad ideas
0: <laughs> wow you found a loophole champ
1: <laughs> here's the thing first of all. If you don't ask, you are one hundred percent in non-compliance.
2: Yes. If whatever ask- does not come from faith, for example, this. Yeah,
1: exactly right. If you ask and only do a very tiny bit and fail at ninety-nine percent, you're way better off than the person who's not asking. Yes. So that's you know, let's let's we can say that much. But um, I I talk to a lot of people who say I'm afraid God would tell me to do X. And from their situation, from their circumstance, from the setup, from everything they've described, I can tell there's a 99% chance that God would never ask them to do that thing. Yeah. But they're so afraid of it, they won't let God tell them to do something that would give them comfort, that would, get, yep. that would be a good fit for them, whatever. They're, they're running and hiding uh, under the rock because they, 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 they want to reject themselves away from God before God yep. comes in and rejects them away Uh, that we can't, we can't do that. Mm -hmm. Go before God and say, I don't want to tell me though. Just tell me, I'm not going to want it because I don't have faith that you'll back me up in it, but tell me. And then I'll, and then I'll tell you what I think. And my idea would be stupid, but if you could be patient and listen to me, it would really help me. And I'm going to tell you my thing and we'll see. I think God would love to hear that. Yep. The idea of I'm going to run away and not have the conversation, that's the worst possible outcome we could have from the situation.
0: Hey, Say That Crew.
1: Hello. Which
0: I feel like if we were a delightful Saturday morning kind of animated version of ourselves, it would be the Say That Crew. Yeah, like that. Like that. Okay. It's the Say That Crew. <laughs> That's right. Well, as we, as, we, as we discussed before, the animated kid uh, Muppet Babies level version of us would be Uncle Glenn and Friends. That's yeah. right. So the Say That's That true. Crew would be like the tween Disney XD version. Oh, yeah. 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 Wow. But hey, Say That Crew. First hey. off, thanks for answering my questions in the past and being an all around great source of wisdom. Correct. Will they still have that opinion when they listen to the Pokemon intro? Not. <laughs> My question is regarding Genesis 3.16, where God tells Eve, quote, your desire will be for your husband, yet he will rule over you, unquote. What does that mean for marriage? Are women stuck being subservient to their husbands? I've heard people address the more controversial verses about marriage in the New Testament, but never this one. And Lee, why don't you start us off?
3: Yeah, I think uh, it's it's a great question. And I think it's, it's one that, that leaves a lot of people puzzled. Um, Genesis, the stuff that happens in Genesis is, is crazy because what you find out is, you know, when Eve, you know, takes the bite of this fruit, it says that she turns and gives some to her husband who was with her. Hello. And then you go back to the beginning of Genesis 3 and you're like, why didn't he say anything the whole time? He never shows up. He just eats this fruit. Right. And for those of us who have worked in ministry for a long time, we can tell you that male spiritual passivity, it is still endemic. All over the place. It's everywhere where men need to be bold. They need to be standing up. And so many women, they turn around and look at at their life and say, this dude in my life isn't going to do anything. He's not going to step up. He's not going to take the lead. He's not going to serve. He's not going to whatever. And so that you know, they, they wind up you know finding themselves in this role, and the deal is is that the the way this was always supposed to be is that we were always supposed to be in a situation of serving each other, and that if a man has the a, a position of leadership or headship, you know, in, in a family, in a marriage, in, in a ministry, and a whatever, that what that would basically mean is I'm the number one servant here. Um, there's a, there's a, there's a verse in marriage, uh, in Ephesians chapter five. If you look at Ephesians chapter five, verse 22 will say, wives submit to your husbands. That's not actually in the scriptures at all. It just, verse 21 says, submit to each other out of reverence for Christ. And then the apostle Paul kind of has a little parentheses, wives to your husbands. And that's because of what happened in Genesis chapter three, because they're saying, Because uh, what happened to Eve is what happens over and over and over and over again. Guys who won't step up, guys who are not bold and godly and and will step out in in that servant role and step out and be willing to be led by the Lord and everything. And so they're like, I guess I'm going to have to run this whole ship. I guess I'm going to have to drive this whole thing. And that's kind of the... The thing that got this all started, but the picture of marriage was always supposed to be that we would be serving each other, that we would be mutually submitting to each other, serving each other, and that if there's a leadership or a headship role, that this man would step in and say, I am the servant of this house. I lead out in serving, and and uh, and that's my role. If anybody else wants the servant's towel, you're going to have to wrestle it out of my hands. That was the picture, the way that this was supposed to start out. It's been muddled by everybody the whole time. But as we get closer to God's ideal, that's what we want to see.
0: That's a really good point. And Jed, can you pick that up and take us a little bit further on that?
3: Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: Well, If you read Genesis
2: 3, it's worth noting there were three people involved in the fall of man. There was the serpent, there's the devil, and there was the woman, and there's the man. And as they're getting kicked out of the Garden of Eden, actually God pronounces a curse... On all three of them. Uh huh. And um, so you've read the curse that God puts on woman. Uh, There's actually a curse that God puts on man, too. Um, And that curse effectively reads before everything was easy for you, food just kind of appeared. Right. Now you will have to work. You will have only by toil, only by pain and hardship will you eat food from the ground and in fact it it directly says your hardship will be just as great as a woman's during childbirth right you know that's how that's how hard it's going to be for you right okay now here's the interesting thing is that marriage even though it has been god has effectively placed a curse on it can still be a good thing and work even though god has placed a curse on it can still be a good thing. Mm -hmm. But part of the takeaway is that we live in a world now that both in a physical sense and really in a spiritual sense is ruled by entropy. If Mm -hmm. we're not actively working to make a marriage be good, it will be terrible. That's mm-hmm. part of what that curse means. So let's, let's read that again. You, you quoted it. Your desire will be for your husband. And he will rule over you. It's that if we're not actively working against um, the, the, the forces all around us, this marriage will become a disaster. It will become mm-hmm. something that, that weighs us both down. In the same sense, if we work at making our vocation a good thing, it can be a wonderful thing. It can change the world. It can be a source of strength and beauty and all kinds of things. But if we don't yep. work at it, our work itself will drain our will to live. It will mm-hmm. be something that, that we hate. Lee said it, and he's right. There's a spiritual passivity that was at the heart of the fall of mankind. Well, the funny thing is part of the curse that God put on people, the takeaway is if you're passive, it will be awful everything <laughs> right. in your life will be, work will be awful and your relationships will be awful and your lives will be your awful dating relationships dating relationships will be awful if you're passive that's the way it's going to be from now on that's that's the effective outcome but the good news is the, the good news is, A, there is good news. And the specific good news is if you will work at it, you can have an amazing marriage where yes. the, where both people are involved and honored and built up and loved and encouraged. If you'll work at it, you can have a great dating relationship. If you'll work at it, you can have a great professional life and a vocational life. The fact that God cursed Work doesn't mean you can't have a good professional life. That means you need to submit your professional life to him and let you show, sh- let him show you how to do it, how, how to live it out. What is gone, what, what we had in the Garden of Eden and has been taken away is the easy option being good. That's, mm. that's mm. what's gone and gone forever. But if you'll work at it, you can have good stuff in all these areas where God pronounced a curse. One more thing to, to make that point. There's a, a guy who's both a, a pastor and a philosopher named Greg Boyd. And he's a smart dude. And he's written, and he's absolutely right, that in this fallen world, everything that has a potential for great good has a proportional potential for great evil. Mm-hmm. And, and there's, there's no way for that to not be true. Right. Anything that can do great good can also do great evil. You yep. might have heard before people say money is the root of all evil. That's not in the Bible. No. What well, the Bible says is the love of money right. is the root of all kinds of evil. Money can do amazing good. Sure. It can accomplish unspeakable good. It can change right. the world in all kinds of good ways. But given that it can do that, it can also do unspeakable evil. Right. right? right. Here's how this relates here. Your marriage, the potential for it to be good is limitless. If you and your husband will both submit yourselves to the Lord and then to each other and work at it seven days a week, there's no limit to how good it can be. The curse doesn't change that. What What the curse means is you do have to work at it. There's another side now. Before, there was no chance that it wouldn't be good. Now there's a guarantee that if you don't work at it, it will be terrible. But the good news is that's not the last word. That's not where it needs to stay. You can work at it. You can have a great marriage and a great life, and God wants that for you.
0: Absolutely. Glenn, I'd love you to get you close out on this. And uh, one of the important things here is context. Yep. One is the context of the larger what the Bible says about marriage as a whole, which is what these guys are saying, and one uh, one part of one verse in Genesis does not undo all of that. The other important bit of context is, as uh, both Lee and Jed alluded to, and maybe you can pick this up for us: the mindset God was in, yeah. And such pronouncements were made.
1: <laughs> yeah, uh, he was not uh, happy. He was not happy. Uh, <laughs> if God is angry and says that moron needs to be in charge, there's your curse. Yeah. yeah. It's not really an endorsement of uh, men are the best suited for, you absolutely. know, let's, uh, let's wake ourselves up here. You, you, know?
0: made, you mean maybe people talking about headship yeah. and being the uh, the natural leaders are maybe overestimating what God was saying about them in that you, moment? You,
1: you, you bet you, Bippy. Be. And here's what Jesus said, because they asked the question of Jesus, you know, uh, uh, who should be the shot caller? How do we pick leaders? How mm. do we, you know, this is a whole new thing. We're not doing Levites and tribes and... With uh, uh, a t- uh, a temple and a thing, you know, we're, this is a new deal. It's a new covenant that you're establishing in your blood. What do we do with leadership? He said, "The greatest amongst you will be will take the form of a servant." Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And That's getting back to what Lee was talking about. Okay, my I just finished uh, uh, visiting my sister, and she's got two little twin babies. And she's got a brother, a husband. That's my brother-in-law, and he's amazing. Love, the brother-in-law. Love my sister, two adorable children. Okay, now, if 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 I if he was sitting here, and I said, okay, now Chuck, between you working, because he works hard, he works a hard, hard job, long hours, and all. That. I said, between you working your long, hard hours, and your wife who is raising two twin babies. And is with them all day, every day. Stay at home, mom, etc., and so on. Who is doing the harder work here? Mm. That man would be tripping over himself to say she does all the work, I do none of the work. Preach, whatever, and whatever she wants is whatever. I, you know, he knows what that that's all about, and his job would if he came into if he came home. And, and, and something that my sister had worked on and established with these kids and a way of working with them, and he just came home and stri- tried to call shots, she would murder him in his sleep. Yeah. And he knows this. He's not, you know. That's not Metaphorically it, speaking, for legal reasons. Probably, yes. So sure. Now, you know, his job is to come in when she said, okay, you can't have cookies till you finish your, your Brussels sprouts. His job is the enforcer. He's, he reinforces that. He backs her up. Now, yes, again, in the nature of a servant, if he sees his wife is tired, my sister is tired and stressed out and whatever, he might change the plan. He might say, I'll do broccoli enforcement. You take a hot bath and whatever. You know, right. so that, but again, that's, that's him stepping in as a servant to serve and help her out. Uh, if you think this is a shot color, you just do not understand any of this. The other thing is, and I, I will tell you, I'm saying all this from a certain perspective, and I'll tell you what that perspective is. I believe in my heart God has given gifts to women that he has not given to men. Right. And that, uh, that developing those gifts, tapping to those gifts, and letting them loose upon the world and do g- great, good and great things for the kingdom— is an essential part of being a pastor of a church. It is an essential part of being a husband. It's an essential part of uh, being a youth group leader, and you've got ladies in your thing and all of that. Uh, I, I honestly believe uh, that if you are coming from a place of men are spiritually superior to women in every respect, <laughs> and you need to submit to that, you have sailed off without me, dude. Yeah. I just I, the, I have worked with male pastors, For a huge chunk of my career, and I've also talked with and worked with their wives, and I can tell you, my job—no kidding—would be extremely, much, much easier if I could just trade them for their wives, even without the seminary training. Sure, that's—I mean—the difference is shocking. So um, we have to understand that that. when, when I tell you that, and then I say, be a servant, it all makes sense. When, it, when, you're, when, when you say, my job is equipping and enabling and helping people find their gifts and helping people to, uh, to thrive and helping people to get in touch with the potential that they have within them, then all of that makes sense, and that's what God's trying to get us to do here.
0: Absolutely. That's a lot of great stuff. We'll move on to our next question here. Romans 8.13 talks about putting to death the misdeeds of the body by the spirit. How are we as believers meant to participate in doing that? The way this verse reads to me, it seems to suggest we should have an active and conscious role. It sounds like it should be us wielding the spirit to deliver the death blow. Is that the case? If so, how do you do that? If not, what does this verse actually mean? And Lee, once kicks you kick us off?
3: Well, first of all, I love the idea of wielding the spirit to deliver the death blow. That's an amazing sentence. So we just need to point that out. The awesomeness. It's as, pretty as a rock person, and roll. As a person who loves comic books, that was great. Yeah. Um Anyway, um, so here's the deal with uh, with you know with Romans chapter eight. You know we we're coming off the heels of this dude saying in in, in Romans chapter seven. Gosh, I'm just wrestling with this thing of the, this. You know, it's like I, these are. The, the things that I want to do, I, I don't do them. And the things I don't want to do, I, I do do them. And who is going to set me free from this? I mean, I'm just in this turmoil of, I wish I could be the person that I want to be, you know, and for, for God, for myself, for my health, everything. Who will set me free from the body of this death? And he says, and then he says, thanks be to God, you know, through Jesus Christ, we have we have this life and everything. And then he goes into talking about what life in the spirit looks like. And that's kind of what Romans 8 is about. And he basically gets to this point where he says, okay, here's what happens. So in your old life, you, if you think about what you were like before you met Jesus, basically you did what you wanted to, you did what felt good, you did what you thought was a good idea, and things that were not good, things that were not good for you or technically sins or whatever, you didn't really think about that. Very much that wasn't that's you know you don't you don't feel bad about doing sins or anything like that that's that's just not the really the way that economy works inside your heart you you do stuff and it either was cool or it wasn't and that's kind of the way that works when you come to know Jesus the Bible says the Holy Spirit comes to live inside you and all of a sudden He's telling you hey I've got something more for you Mm -hmm. I've got something awesomer than what that was and now you start feeling differently about. What the old stuff was now, you start feeling this conviction about it. Not uh, not like you feel guilty and you feel like you suck, but you feel this energy inside you saying, "There's more for me. There's better for me." This old thing, th- this these old misdeeds of the body. You know, the stuff that I used to be into that I used to not care about and just do. That stuff to, isn't as appealing anymore. And in fact, there's I've got different appetites now, and, and I'm looking for something else. I bet if we were to Just to take the kind of your life and plot it out, Um, you would have, you know, you would have less sins than you used to have. Um, But that's not really the point of the Christian life. It's not really about sinning less. It's that God, by the Holy Spirit, lives inside you now. And He is calling you, convicting you, and pushing you, and pulling you, and helping you uh, become a different kind of person because He has so much more richness and so much more life for you. And if you look back over your life, you realize, man, I really have, in the words of of Romans 8, I really have put to death a lot of the misdeeds of the body. Now, it's still a mess. I've still got a lot to work on. I know for me, it's it's, it's still a train wreck a lot of times, but I'm not the same person I used to be. And I don't feel the same way about the stuff that I used to be into that I used to. The Spirit of God and I are a team going towards a more healthy, a more fulfilling, a more satisfying life. Um, he's calling me to something higher, not because the point of the Christian life is to put to death the misdeeds of the body. That's not the thing. Putting to death the misdeeds of the body is kind of a byproduct of me becoming closer and closer to Jesus in our personal relationship. We're getting closer, and I'm changing because He's calling me to something higher, better, deeper, more satisfying. And so that's kind of the the nuts and bolts of how that process works according to Romans 8. He gets into the, the fact that God is your dad now, and the, and the Holy Spirit is giving you a yearning to call him your dad. And, and that's all in that same thing, but it's all about that relationship. I, I see, the, I see the, the lessening of sin as kind of a byproduct of this goodness that he's calling you into.
0: That's a really fantastic place to start this off. I think that covers the basis of this incredibly well. Glenn, I'd love to get you to pick up on an idea that uh, Lee mentioned. He covered very well, but I want us to dig a little bit deeper into that. It's certainly easy, as our question asker may be looking at of to look at there is clearly supposed to be an active role in this. You're supposed to be active in your own spiritual life in a way, but that is not to take the place of playing whack-a-mole with sin. Right. So... A, real quick, can we cover why that's a super bad idea, and what are we supposed to do instead of that? If this doesn't mean individually put to death sins, what does it mean? Right. Well, in, Let me read that whole verse, because I think it, it will
1: help us. If you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. Okay, so... Um, you know, uh, first of all, anytime we mention sin in the Bible, whatever the wording is, we tend to read that "don't do it." Sin's bad; don't do it. Yeah, that's actually not exactly what this verse is saying. What this verse is saying is, if we wanted to just boil it down, it's that you either choose life or you choose death, right. and by choosing. Life, you put to death the things that are killing you. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, you know, part of what he's asking here is, practically speaking, what does that mean to live out? It means to choose life, to choose those things that that give life. But in doing that, you will need to get the strength from the Spirit to uh, kill those things that are in fact killing you. You know, what he's really trying to talk about in terms of sin is that um, sin destroys sin breaks us down you know but he's talking about our 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 nature our sin nature he's talking about you know this is the law of the jungle is might makes right the, the law of the jungle is if you want it you take it and you, you whatever you can get away with do it if it makes you feel good do it if it, if you like if you want to eat it eat it whatever all those kinds of things all that leads to death all that's that's all these are these things are a recipe for destruction and death uh, so we have to recognize within ourselves that these desires we have for pleasure and for self-gratification and all these kinds of things end in just a destruction. They end in a downfall. They end in uh, us not being satisfied. And, yeah. and, and our world, the thing about sin is that it makes our world smaller and smaller and smaller yeah, and smaller. That's right. He's saying this is something to break out of. This is a way for you to choose life, and and when you do that, uh, by going towards a deeper, broader, richer, more full life, you have to put to death those things that are crying out, saying, no, 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 no just you could have sex with this woman she should just go do that you could you could steal that and get away with it why wouldn't you do it you're a sucker to not do that those are the things we have to uh to in essence kill in order to move forward and yeah we're 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 accessing strength from the holy spirit in order to do that but it would be wrong to say that this is a this is uh as we often talk about on the podcast, this is some sort of a formula where you say the incantation, right. and then that kills the thing with the proper spiritual sure. dynamics of the spiritual warfare, and you know, the sage and whatnot. Yeah, it's 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 choosing uh, to deny your flesh and, and go towards what the spirit is calling you to, and recognizing that 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 that's putting to death those things that
0: are calling out for you to make the wrong choices. I think it's really fantastic. Jed, uh, i love to you to close us out on this. Um, both these guys have spoken to, and I think this is a good place to land, this idea of this is not as much about an individual doing something as kind of a, a change in status, a change in thought. Mm-hmm. I think part of that is we don't want to get our chasing our own tail on chasing our sins, but clearly, as our question answer points out, is both inclined to point to we're supposed to do something sure but maybe that something has more to do with uh new stuff than constantly thinking about the old stuff just Shh. a thought
2: absolutely absolutely uh couldn't agree more with all everything that's been said so far let's read that same verse from the message translation which is the good one um give it meeting your old life give it a decent burial and get on with your new life God's Spirit beckons. There are things to do and places to go. I think that, A, that's saying exactly what Glenn um, and Lee both have already been saying. And I think the thing we need to ask is, do you know what the new things and places God has for you are? Because um, mm. if, we, if we haven't put any thought into that, it's kind of hard to go towards them. One thing, this is not a, it, it is true in spiritual stuff, but this is just a behavioral principle, is eliminating behavior is much harder than replacing behavior. Mm -hmm. The idea of uh, we're just going to create a vacuum, you you currently do this this thing that's not good and you're going to stop doing that, is much, much harder to pull off than to say, you're currently doing A, we're going to switch that to B. That's uh, just, just so you know, that's how,
0: that's how life works. But um, nature loves a vacuum jet. I've heard that.
2: No, no, uh,
0: super not. <laughs> Did I get something wrong in that famous quote? Yep,
2: yeah. yep. But just as that's true in behavior generally, it's actually true in spiritual stuff too. Mm-hmm. Um, super duper true. So here's the funny thing. If you think just about, uh, you might have heard before the phrase opportunity cost for a second. Time you spend doing new cool stuff is time you're not spending doing old bad stuff. Right. I mean, it's just, it's unavoidably true. There, there's, there's no way around that. It turns out that if you start doing new cool stuff, it will, it will change you in a way where the old bad stuff doesn't have the same appeal and the same draw in the same way, and it kind of creates a cycle. Um, where you, you kind of want to keep doing the new cool stuff, and you don't really want the old bad stuff as much. But again, it just begins with simple opportunity costs. If you're doing one, you're not doing the other. So, for example, one thing um, I'm uh, certain it's not what you're referring to, but a lot of times when, people, when young people bring up this verse, what they mean is, I'm looking at naughty things online, um, mm, sure. and, and I should stop it. Unspoken prayer request. Unspoken prayer request. And the thing, um, I've heard this dynamic more times than I can count, I really want to do something to help people. I feel a call to do that. I feel an urge to do that. And something practical, you know, soup kitchen, whatever. But I got this problem with naughty stuff online. So what I need to do is I need to sort out the naughty stuff online. By staying home. By staying home. Get myself squared away. By staying home. By staying home. Then, (laughs) once I'm squared away from staying home, haven't looked at anything
0: naughty online in a while,
2: then boom, go help people.
0: Right. Yeah, Cause then I'll now be fit for service. Yeah. Jed, if you've got a better way to stop looking at naughty things online than staying home with my computer, feeling bad about myself, <laughs> I'd like to, <laughs> here's the thing. I
2: I'm with Lee. I'm a train wreck. I'm a great big center. I've been working with poor people and homeless people and hurting people a long time. I've never once handed a plate of food to someone and had them say, can I see your browser history before I receive this food from them? Just and, like a uh, check-in, yeah, yeah, if you please. Yes. And nobody cares. You go out, you serve people, you feel energized by doing that, you feel built up by doing that your desire to look at the naughty things online goes down a little bit. Yeah. Okay. Um, and you've realized there's, there's something better. You know, if you, uh, if the Lord puts something on your heart to serve people, can you find a way to do that? And you go out and you do that thing. You're going to find that satisfying you in a way that the misdeeds, of the flesh, whatever those happen to be in your life, they can't satisfy you in that same way. Um, right. And it becomes a cycle. It, it, it builds on itself. So again, it's about figuring out what are those new things God has for you, those new places he wants to lead you, and boldly, assertively, intentionally living into and doing those things and going those places.
0: That's really fantastic stuff. I will, uh, we normally start with this, but I will close with the Bible nerdery on this one. Uh-oh. Because if you go to the, the Greek word, as, you, uh, as we often say, you can go to uh, the website. I tend to use for this as biblehub.com. You can type in the verse. You can go to the interlinear. And it, you can click on that word, it'll show you all the other places it's used in the New Testament. When Bible scholars, actual, like, at a college Bible scholars are trying to figure out what a word means, they go through and do this exact thing. They see where mm-hmm. does this word pop up in the place? That's what it's trying to say. Um, this is the same word as in cause to be put to death that they use when they say the Pharisees were trying to gather testimony against Jesus to get him executed. Right. So that, right. again, this is, this is not a, the Pharisees were not the ones who did the executing. In a right. physical way, that's not actually what we're talking about. This goes back to what all three of these guys have said. This is more of a, this is more of a regard thing.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You may, you know, once uh, once you got someone sentenced to die to the government's idea, for all intents and purposes, they were dead. Right. This was no longer a person. There may be some more details to handle out on this, but once judgment was passed, that was the thing. They have mm-hmm. been caused to be put to death, which is the exact translation a lot of these use. So again, that's exactly what we're talking about here. Is this is not a you have to go on a manhunt every every outhouse henhouse poorhouse the whole way right. and find all the sins. you have to start looking to do new things you know when when you if you're if you' were in a court of law in these times once someone was to death we didn't worry about what to do with them anymore right that was done we've figured out what to do with you know the next set of things so that is as all these guys have pointed out if you, this is a really a verse about forward motion about choosing that path as Glenn was talking yeah. about and uh, if you do that as all these guys pointed out you'll have less time and energy for naughty things and that's always helpful right? that's right every perfect gift comes to us from
2: love comes to us from love